Dudes of Kung Fu. Hello, all. Welcome to the second episode of Dudes of Kung Fu. Dudes of Kung Fu. Wow, we made it to the second episode Listen, already. Listen, we haven't got canceled yet. <laughs> so I'm Alex Richter. I'm the Wing Chun guy. I am Big Sean Madigan. I am the good-looking JKD guy, Jeet Kune Do. Of course, you had to put that in there with the good-looking thing. Rub it in there, right? Well, when they see the pictures of the two of us, they'll know right away. Um, I'm the one without any... Well, he's... Okay, so Alex is young and good-looking and well-educated and has an awesome career. And I'm the fat guy that's next to him, okay? (laughs) We'll do it that way there, okay? (laughs) Awesome. So yes. Yeah, uh, so last time we uh, we discussed a little bit about you know what we're gonna do and what we're gonna discuss. It's gonna be a little mixed bag of martial arts, uh, film, entertainment. Obviously, the things we love: Jeet Kune Do, uh, Wing Chun, MMA, all this kind of stuff. So uh, I thought maybe why don't we talk a little bit about MMA today? We didn't really touch MMA too much on the last one. Yeah. Sure. Um... Who, who, who are you rooting for? Who are you a... Uh... Well, actually, I think the most interesting... Well, it's a, a bit of sad news, but the most interesting bit of news I've read is that this, this MMA gym in Hamburg, this uh, oh, this, uh, this this uh, school owner, his name, name is Abeku Affel. I, I suppose uh, he's probably not a native German, but he has a, a gym in, uh, in Hamburg. And, uh, you know, I, I spent three years living in Germany. Hamburg is a pretty rough place. And apparently there was a rival MMA school, and that rival instructor uh, with, I guess, a bunch of other students or whatever showed up in masks and had a machete and basically hacked the head instructor down, like severing tendons in his legs, and he was in... Uh, critical condition. He got some surgery. I guess now he's in intensive care, whatever. And and he already made a statement. But what I was thinking about is, well, first of all, I don't think anything like that has happened in the states. But this kind of thing happened in Europe a lot in the '80s between uh, the different Wing Chun schools. Now, not necessarily with a machete or whatever, but I was kind of thinking the development of martial arts. Uh, you know, Wing Chun was the big thing in Germany in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, Wing Chun is still huge in, in, in Germany and Europe in general. Um, but those old days of like Wing Chun schools showing up to other Wing Chun schools and challenging each other, that those days have kind of gone by the wayside. And it almost seems like MMA being the new kid on the block in Germany because MMA is not been in Germany as long as it's been here. Now they're kind of going through those same growing pains that the various Wing Chun factions went through in the 80s. So it's almost like... They're kind of where, where Wing Chun was in the 80s. What do you think about that? Well, you know, what I find strange about that is one of the things I always liked about MMA schools as opposed to, quote-unquote, traditional martial arts schools was, at least here in the States and what I've been exposed to, they've always been so open to outsiders. Right. They always have this open, mad atmosphere. And if you are on vacation and go to L.A., you can go into almost any Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school and say, hey, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in New York. Can I roll with you guys today? And they don't look at you as a threat. Absolutely. But if you walk into any JKD school, Wing Chun school, or t- most traditional martial arts schools and say, yeah, I do uh, I do Wing Chun in such and such a lineage, and uh, I want to come and train here for the day, immediately people's, uh, I don't know the right word for it, they're, they're, they're going to be nervous. And yeah. they, they, there's going to be this whole, all right, what, what, what's, his, what's his real game? Yeah, why what, are you here? Why are you here? Is he going to try and show me up in front of my students? Is he going to make my... And in an MMA, you just don't see that. Yeah. I think probably it's because, well, you know, 
I'm a traditional martial arts guy. I love Wing Chun, but to be honest, I always joke with my students. I I, ha- I hate about 95% of people who do Wing Chun. Right. I love Wing Chun, but I really don't like most Wing Chun people. And uh, traditional martial artists, you know, I don't really want to speak for the other ones, but I, I, I can talk about Wing Chun people. And I think part of the problem is the MMA guys, at least they're going out, they're competing, and they're testing their skills. Um, Jiu-Jitsu guys, the same way. Uh, whereas, uh, let's say, in the Wing Chun world, uh, most of the... Uh, kind of checking each other tends to be uh, through the keyboard very variant of, of that as opposed to now I'm not necessarily saying people should show up and punch each other in the face and see who the toughest guy is but I think because there's a lack of real comparison in traditional martial arts particularly Wing Chun um, the level of uh, shit talking is a lot higher and, and, the, and there's a lot less acceptance between the different schools uh, as there is, for example, in MMA schools, you know? Right. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, I, I think it's the difference between real confidence and fake confidence. Right. You know, MMA guys, boxers, most sport combat athletes have a real confidence. They have a, they have a, they have a real good sense of their level of ability right. and their level to handle certain situations that they run across within the realm of their sport. Sure. So, and and traditional martial artists, for lack of a better term, don't. You, you know, and a lot of like JKD people say, oh, but we spar, you know, we do this, we, we you know, I'm sorry, they don't do it, they're not doing it on the level of a combat athlete. Sure, sure. And I, and I really think it becomes this, especially amongst instructors, and especially amongst sifus, there's this idea of, if I lose in front of my students, they're all going to leave. Right, right. I right. can't, quote unquote, tap out. And they set up this wall right. between themselves and their students that they, they never spar with their students. They never, for lack of a better roll with their students. They're, the chi sao, they're doing chi sao, which is a drill found in both Wing Chun and Ji Kune Do, which is quasi-competitive. Uh, um, they always put up these ridiculous rules. I had a Wing Chun man tell me, he's he, he, at a seminar, said, oh, I want, let's let's roll. Uh, some cheese out, and I was nervous, I was young, and right. I, I started one, two, three, and um, he did something, and, I, and he threw a punch, and I did something, and, and he said, no, 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 you just try and defend. I'm the senior man. <laughs> they have to set up the parameters. In and I was like, wow, that's pretty damn convenient. Sure, sure. You sure. get to punch me and I get to try and block you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And you just never see that in, in, the, uh, in the MMA community, right? Sure. Well, I think you made a really good point that, you know, uh, uh, sport combat athletes, because traditional martial artists are always saying, well, that's not real. They're fighting with rules. and But to a certain degree, the rules actually allow them to really – practice it full tilt in, in a way that stays safe whereas you know the traditional martial arts guy is like well i i in theory i would have eye gouged you or i would have done this but because they're not actually practicing it um for fear of maiming their partner they they don't actually really know if they can do it and the interesting thing because i have a lot of friends in brazilian jiu-jitsu i have friends uh in mma including um people who fought in bellator and uh, ufc and what's interesting, it's not like, like you said, they have a sense of confidence, in of real confidence in their skills because they practice. But I always find that with really good jiu-jitsu people and really good boxers or MMA fighters, they're also very well aware of their limits. Right. Like they're like, yeah, you know, you know, like against this type of opponent, I can do good. Against this guy, I did good. But, you know, this, you know, people with this skill set give me a little bit of trouble. And this is something a, a traditional martial artist could never admit. We'd never say it. Yeah, they would never say it. 
you know, like, oh, well, you know, like rangy people give me problems and, 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 you know, I tend to do better against this type of person. One, I don't think they even know who they would do well or poorly right, against. Right, they don't test themselves. Yeah, and they, they would never admit it even if they did. And I, and I find that that is part of the problem of the the modern traditional martial artists is that they're, they're so much in a shell they can't even admit that they're things that they can't do well or that they might be areas with their lacking competence in. And, and you don't see this in the better MMA guys and jiu-jitsu guys. Do you know who Adam Singer is? His brother Rory fought in the UFC. Uh, no, so, I don't know. Okay, so they, they run a straight boys gym in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They were known as the uh, hardcore, hardcore gym for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm drawing a blank on their name, but one of their guys was huge and... Oh, jeez, I'm drawing a blank on it. doesn't matter. Um, was huge in UFC for a little while. And I got to become pretty good friends with Adam Singer. He's mm-hmm. an incredible coach. Yeah. He's an incredible coach. And we were talking about the whole street versus sport thing. Right. And he had a great line. I just, just made perfect sense. He, oh, I'm sorry. His fighter is Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin okay. comes out of his gym. Okay. <laughs> I felt like an idiot for a second. Yeah. He had, so he had a, back on top. He had a great line. He said, when, when, when quote-unquote street fighters say to me, oh, well, if there was no rules, I would do this, I would do that. Right. I, I say to him, you know, if there's no rules for you, that means there's no rules for me. Absolutely. And if you can't beat me with rules, yeah. what makes you think you can beat me without them? Right. Like, sure. if you think you're the only one that can eye gouge, I can not only eye gouge, I can put you in a position that you can't stop me. Right. You can flail around like an idiot and try. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to. Absolutely. I can put you in a position where you just can't do anything about it. Right, right. And and it really maybe you know, think about it for a while. Because I'm not going to lie. Years ago, I used to had that JKD you know, attitude of like, oh, we train for the streets, uh, a kick to the groin, a finger jab to the sure. eyes kind of thing. And Well, I started teaching in Brooklyn. If you want me to talk a, little, a quick little story here. I started teaching in Brooklyn. And uh, I had a student base of maybe... 15 guys mm-hmm. and you know we were having a lot of fun and I had a couple of like really eye-opening experiences as to what I was teaching and I really learned that I was teaching some crap you know <laughs> so um so a guy came down and um his name is Joe Chin he's a very good friend of mine we call him Mighty Joe Chin because he was I'm gonna say a five foot two Chinese kid and uh-huh. he was he was really good. He was a talented, talented fighter. He is a talented fighter. And um, so he came down to join my school. And, you know, he they done the whole Bruce Lee JKD thing. He signed up right away. We had a great time. And and one day, after we were everybody sparring and everything, and we're having a nice little class, and it's all going well. And he says to me, he goes, well, he goes, um, I, I could take you down, though. Now, I was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I had pretty good... I had a pretty good sprawl. Sure. And I had some, I thought I had, you know, I thought I had a pretty good game. Right. So I was like, well, I, you know, but when I tried to immediately thought that the hackles in my, my back went up a little bit. And yes. I'm like, oh no, he's going to take me down and make me look like an idiot in front of 15 guys that are paying me right. money to train to here. teach him how to fight. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. But, um, but now I kind of felt like I kind of had to, you right. know? So I'm like, all right, sure. Let's, let's go at it for real. Right. Let's just have, so we, you know, we put the headgear on. Well, as pathetic as it sounds, he took me down right away. Uh-huh. And I mean, so again, like he, he was a he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler also. Okay. So we were both wrestlers, except I was a wrestler. Fifteen years removed from wrestling, right. and he was a wrestler three years removed from sure, wrestling. Sure, sure, sure. You know, so we're moving around, and 
I did the worst thing. So he took me down. Uh-huh. And as a wrestler, as you know, in high school, college wrestler, the worst thing in the world is have your shoulders pit. That, that's right. that's it. Right. So like a schmuck, I go down and immediately flop onto my chest. Uh-huh. Thinking, oh, look, uh-huh. he's not going to be able to pin me. <laughs> well, I also didn't know that he did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, right. So I was welcome to the world of Mataleo, right. a rear naked choke. Right. And I not only lost to this guy who's trained with me for about an hour and a half, I choked out to the point where I didn't wasn't even smart enough to tap. Right. So I kind of went unconscious in <laughs> 15 of my students. So um, we immediately started a grappling class the next day. <laughs> and that was a huge eye-opener for me, and it kind of made me start to re-examine everything I was doing in sure. JKD, you know? Sure. I um, had stopped training in a school I was training at for whatever reason, which I'll never talk about on the podcast. And um, I was teaching, and things were going well, and I had, that was an eye-opener for me, and the second huge eye-opener for me, like a, a kind of quote-unquote gift from a student kind of thing, was uh, I had a guy come down, and I, if you grew up in Brooklyn, you'll know that this is not a shock. Some guy, you know, rang my doorbell one night, and because I tore it out of my house, my back deck, and in my living room. Right. And he said, uh, yeah, I you know, saw your website. I'm interested in taking some lessons. And and we happened to be doing a quote-unquote collie class for the night. We were doing a, a knife and stick, stick and knife class. Uh, Spadi Daga, which is knife and stick. Mm-hmm. And knife versus knife, things to that effect. So we were running these um, drills called toppy drills in collie, where there are basically knife... Knife drills, uh, knife flow drills. And he was looking at it, and he was learning them, and, but I can just tell he wasn't liking it. Like, right. you know you know when you have a new student, you look at him, and you're just saying, like, he ain't ever coming back, you right. know? Sure. So at the end of the class, towards the end of the class, I said to him, I said, listen, did you have a good time? He goes, listen, he goes, what you guys are doing, it's a lot of fun. Right. And, I, you know, I really broke a sweat, and I'm having, but this is not really what I'm looking for. So I'm like, all right, well, can you tell me what, what, did, what didn't you like, you know? Right. He said, well, he goes, I'm not going to lie to you. He goes, I, I just got out of jail. Right. He's, and I was like, oh. And he says, and in jail, no one would fight you that way. Right. He goes, and, you know, odds are I'm going back soon. He goes, oh, man. He goes, <laughs> at least he's so honest. I was like, well, what would they do? He goes, well, do you mind? And I had like these wooden, we were all using like these wooden training knives. Right. And he goes, oh, he goes, well, they would just scoop this up. And he grabbed me behind my neck in like a... Uh, single arm Muay Thai necktie right. thing sure. and just start pumping me like 15 times in the stomach with right. the and he goes you can try that other shit you've been doing all night right that's not gonna stop this sure sure and I, you know I thanked him right and I remember I called up Steve Golden and I said uh, Steve Golden's my uh, instructor my Sifu and Jeet Kundo, and I called him up and I'm like so this just happened right and he said yeah the problem is that you're doing Kali right and I'm like but you do Kali. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I do JKD with a stick. I do JKD with a knife. Right. I don't do Kali. And I would really love to spend some time one night, just one of the podcasts, just talking about the difference of doing JKD with a knife as opposed to doing a Kali knife drill. Right. And it, it really, I threw out, literally threw out my curriculum. And... Worked with my, my instructor to recreate a whole weapons curriculum. And it was all based on this one kid who I have no idea what his name is. He, I met him for an hour. 
He might be back in jail, as he, he said. He hopefully is not listening to this podcast tonight <laughs> on some jailhouse radio somewhere. <laughs> but that was like two big things that I learned from students, you know. Sure. One was that I had to really up my grappling game. Because I was a quote-unquote original JKD guy. You know, I was trying to do what whatever Bruce Lee did. Um, and m- most original JKD guys that with the big O in front of the... They're, I think, afraid of grappling. I right. mean, I don't think... Wing Chun, do you see a lot of... Uh... Well, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, I think when you see a lot of... Uh, like, for example, in Wing Chun, a lot of the guys saying, well, you know, if, if, if the guy grabbed me, you know, I would just, you know, grab his head and give him an elbow or do this or do that or whatever. Um, unfortunately, they're not really speaking from experience. They are kind of theorizing what they might do if it had happened, but they have never been in that situation. And I think... Um, most of those, well, I would just do this, is really born out of fear because I think that they, they look at a lot of guys who grapple and they see that there's definitely, right. uh, like like you had mentioned, uh, the difference in, in, in body type of someone who's done boxing or wrestling for a year as opposed to someone who's done traditional martial arts for a year. And I think that they uh, are really afraid. So what can they do? Uh, well, they can react really defensively and say what they, in theory, might do because it's kind of a safe thing to say. They do, they don't actually imagine they're ever going to be in that situation. And um, you know, I, I'm, I'm I love Wing Chun. I mean, Wing Chun is my whole right. life, and 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 I think that Wing Chun is very practical, and I think that is very useful. But like anything else, it depends on how you train it, and it depends on the attitude you. Um, uh, you kind of uh, look at it as kind of a tool and something that you really need to sharpen if you want it to be able to work. And I've made it, although I, I teach pure Wing Chun at my school, I mean, pure Wing Chun in quotes, uh, meaning that, you, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mix Wing Chun with uh, other martial arts, but I um, make sure that my students know how to uh, handle different attacks from other styles. So I'll actually bring in experts. Like, for example, one of my good friends, uh, Tom DeBlass, he, um, he was a ring of combat champion. He fought in UFC twice, fought in Bellator. Wow. Um, he's a multi-league Abu Dhabi champion. Um, he's under Ricardo Almeida, which is Henzo Gracie team. And he's um, one of the best grapplers. And, and two of his students, um, one is Gary Tonin, is like one of the top guys in competitive Brazilian jiu-jitsu now. And um, I brought him to my school because I wanted my students to see, hey, look, this is a no BS MMA fighter, highly decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. And I want you guys to feel what it's like when these guys grab you, right. what it's like when they take you down, the kind of pressure that they can put on you uh, so that if if they realize that, okay, if you're going to have to apply your Wing Chun against somebody like that, you need to kind of up your game as to what you really think, you know, sure. how you're going to actually train your Wing Chun. So I bring in specialists who do boxing, um, kickboxing, uh, wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I myself actually train outside of my Wing Chun school with experts. And like I have a, a boxing coach I train with regularly, and I bring the knowledge from the boxing training methods and how they, they fight into how I teach my guys how to apply Wing Chun. Uh, and um, that's why you have one of the best Wing Chun schools. Well, well thank you. Um, and, and also hopefully why you won't find my students um, commenting on YouTube and saying, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. I just do this. I do. Because they also, hopefully, like the MMA fighter, like the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighter, have a realistic assessment of what they are able to do and what they're not able to do. Right. And therefore wouldn't spend time wasting, you know, theorizing, you know, uh, oh, yeah, if somebody just grabbed me, I'll just give him an elbow and he'll, you know, drop like, like, like you know, like well, a just bad habit. This fear of ground fighting, um, it, it's it's rampant. Yeah. In, 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 in many 
original Jeet Kune Do schools and, um, and in Wing Chun schools. Now, I'm not going to ask you to comment on this because I know you know one or both of these men. And I want to preface this by saying both of these men can kick my ass. Okay, so let's say, forget the language, both of these men can kick my ass. I am not saying I know better than them or anything. They both can kick my ass. In fact, all of their students can also kick my ass. <laughs> so let's just get that out there. But the most known Wing Chun fight video ever was Emin Bozeppi and Wing Chun. Right. And it ended up on the ground and it it kind of looked like two men that didn't know how to fight on the ground. Right. I mean, you know, the younger man won and that's fine and don't comment about it because I don't want you hurting your ties in the Wing Chun community. But when, as, as an MMA guy, when the first time I saw that video, right. I was really engrossed in MMA. I was had a fight team downstairs right. with concentrating on a lot of wrestling, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and boxing. And I, at first, it was the first time I ever saw the video and I'm, I'm looking at the video and I'm saying, wow, it's like, you know, these are two well-known martial artists who clearly don't know anything about ground fighting. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was one of those, like, you know, light bulb times for me, you know? Because I always, even when I was an MMA guy, I always had the quote-unquote passion for, right. for, for Wing Chun and JKD. Um, my Wing Chun instructor, Tom Kagan, so here's a quick story for you. My Wing Chun instructor, Tom Kagan, who I absolutely love, He's the most sarcastic son of a bitch I ever met, but I love him. And he started, how I got to know Tom, my Sifu, was he came to train MMA with me. I had the fight team in the basement, and um, he came over one night, and he went downstairs, and he he saw my my Mukyong Chong. Yeah, wooden dummy for those who oh, don't know what that he is. Saw, he saw the wooden dummy, the thing you always see Jackie Chan play with. Um, he saw it in the corner. And I had no idea that he even knew what it was. Right. So he, he comes downstairs and I see him kind of like, he looks at it, points and smiles. And I said, oh yeah, you can just hang your, your coat on that. Right. And he went, oh, okay. And he laughed and he hung his coat on it. And I'm thinking, oh, he doesn't even know what it is. It turns out he's one of Moyat's disciples and is right. thinking I'm a jerk. And but it, what was so cool about this was that he had an awesome ground game. So when I finally learned that he was a Wing Chun guy, because he didn't tell me, I was like, but you're into ground fighting. And he's like, yeah, like, don't tell anybody. Like, you know, it's like it, was, it was almost like a joke. Many Wing Chun people are closeted grapplers. Well, you I mean, the higher level ones, yeah, I'll just tell you just from firsthand experience. Like, you know, a lot of them do it, but they won't admit it. That's, a, that's another thing. In JKD, this whole idea of this closeted stuff is ridiculous. Right. I had, when I hosted Matt Thornton for my first seminar, I had a, uh, a JKD instructor in the New York area who I'm still very good friends with. So he's going to be listening. I guarantee you he's listening to this right now and is cringing, hoping I don't say his name. And don't worry, I won't, Steve. Um, <laughs> he called me up and asked me, hey, listen, Sean, is any pictures of the seminar going to be put online? So I says, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, there's going to be over 50 people there. Everybody's going to be taking pictures. I'm right. sure they're going to pop up. There was no Facebook at the time, but it sure. was. And he said, um, is there any way you can get that people won't take pictures? I'm like, why? He's like, well, I want to come and train with Matt Thornton. But if my Sifu finds out, he'll throw me out of his organization. Oh. 
I had never experienced that before in my life. He was a Jeet Kune Do guy. He's said. a Jeet Kune Do well, that's guy. crazy. I mean, normally the Jeet Kune Do guys are not See, that that's the key traditional. word. You said normally. Right. When you talk about original Jeet Kune Do, you can't use the word normal. Okay. All okay. Right. <laughs> you know, the JKD Concepts guy, well, you know what? I won't even give him that. Because the JKD Concepts guys are, the, are almost the same way. And, oh, man, I'm going to get hate mail for this. So a lot of the JKD Concepts guys, a lot, not all, not Guru Dan, okay? So everybody calm. Right. By the way, uh, just you might want to just explain really quickly for those who might not know what is the difference between, quote-unquote, original Jeet Kune Do and so-called Jeet Kune Do right. I apologize. Although, although just by – I mean, I have to say, look, I'm a Wing Chun guy, so this is not my thing at all. But just even by giving a definition, it's already going to right. yeah. The, certain people on each side of the fence are going to feel like it's unfair. Right? So there's basically two groups or two families within Wing Chun, uh, within Jeet Kune Do. Yeah. Well, I wish we only had two families right. within Wing Chun. That make things easier. In JKD, there's basically two two quote unquote families. One is the Jeet Kune Do Concepts group. One is the original JKD. The original JKD group tends to focus on the original teachings, drills, um, core curriculums as taught by Bruce Lee. Right. Like his Junfan Kung right. Fu. Right. Junfan Kung Fu, Junfan Ji Kune Do. Right. Um, or whatever the, 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 the key term is these days. The Ji Kune Do concepts people tend to take the concepts, little c, of Ji Kune Do, the principles, mm-hmm. and apply them to many different arts. So, my instructor, Steve, although tagged as an original JKD guy because he was a member of a group, uh, an organization named The Nucleus, which I'm sure will come up one day, he's much more, I would say, a concepts type instructor in that he is very open. Right. Um, Although I have to preface that, I mean, I've had some limited exposure to Jeet Kune Do people and... um, Steve Golden is really into the principles and concepts of Jeet Kune Do uh, and how he teaches it is really unique. I mean, I've seen many instructors. I found he was really fantastic. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he goes the eclectic route. Oh, of, right. No, absolutely so, not. So he, uh, he's, he's very, very strict. It's, it, it's, it's about applying the idea as opposed to saying, uh, well, we, we need to now you know add five different arts to oh, yeah. no, no, fill no. this gap. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite quotes by Steve is I, I have it written down all over all my notes. It says, uh, Jeet Do is not a physical system. It's a method of using principles. And in that, he's not an eclectic martial artist where he'll sit there and say, oh, I'm going to add this Joe from this throw from jiu-jitsu. He has a, a, uh, an understanding of the core concepts of Jeet Do and carries around with him the minimal amount of tools, footwork, and strategies to apply those principles. Um, but so what I was going to say, I'll get, quickly get back to the JK New Concepts guys who kind of get this, have this reputation of, oh, they'll train with anybody. They kind of really don't. They kind of train with Muay Thai people that are only accepted in with the JKD group. You know, if you if you turn around and say, oh, I do, a lot of concepts guys go, oh, yeah, I do Muay Thai, I do Wing Chun, I, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I can, you can sit there and say, right, you do, you do um, Wing Chun with Francis Fung, you do Muay Thai in the Chai Sursat family, you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under the uh, Machados, not under the Gracies, because those are the accepted groups that you're allowed to do it in you know and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that they are incredibly well-rounded 
teachers and fighters, and they can all kick my ass. This is not, you know, but uh, there, it's it's not as open and as free as people tend to think it is. I, uh, I, uh, you know, it just seems to be a lot of people think that original people are completely stuck in 1967, and you know, concepts people are doing, you know, the newest thing tomorrow. And it's, right, it's, right, 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 right. It's kind of both exaggerations. Yeah, well, at least the people think the original Jeet Kune Do guys are stuck in 1967. Most people think the Wing Chun guys are stuck in the 1850s. So <laughs> at least it's progress of a sort. And from my experience, I would say most Wing Chun people are stuck in the 1850s. If they're go. lucky, maybe the 1950s. And, and the, <laughs> that, that's that's always a, a problem, and I, I suppose one of the... Um, Differences between me and some of my contemporaries is because um, I'm really interested in what people are doing now. It's like you could be a traditional martial artist. I have friends in in uh, Hong Kun and Choi Le Fat, like the top guys in all those arts. And wait, the... did you hear? Did you catch the way he said those words? <laughs> if well, I tried I... to say them, they they come out like Frankfurt or hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still Americanize it a bit. Um, but what, what's great about them, although I have friends in Hong Kong who do like and here in, in the states that do really tradi- super traditional martial arts. Um, but there are people who continue to uh, develop the arts further in terms of how they teach them and how they promote them and, and, and also making sure that their arts stay relevant to the modern crowd. And that's part of the reason why um, they're really my friends, because uh, a lot of the traditional martial arts guys, they kind of um, stick themselves in a cave where they just complain right. about the so-called sure. outside world, not actually having any contact with the outside world. And, you know, nothing can develop in isolation things rot when they're put in isolation they only develop when they kind of have the chance to see the sun and go out there and be kind of compared a bit to other things to be organic. Um, yeah absolutely and um, uh, I, I find that uh, <laughs> a lot of Wing Chun guys you know especially from certain lineages they will tell you that they're really great at fighting because their teacher or their grand teacher kicked oh everyone's God. ass in the 60s. Right. <laughs> and and I go, you know what? That's great. That was really great for Wing Chun's reputation. I'm look, I'm a huge Yip Man uh, 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 his, his, history geek, and 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 you know, I I really love to go to Hong Kong and hear all the old stories, and I think that that's great. But I think part of the problem of Wing Chun people, or maybe other traditional martial artists, have this problem too, is that they are so stuck in in former glory of the past that um, they've essentially built an entire justification for why their art is a good fighting art based on 60-year-old models. Right. And no other fighting art does that. And I mean, boxers don't even box the same way they did 50 years ago. But um, because, you know, some Wing Chun guy in the 50s or 60s was a really great fighter, somehow that's the big justification. Now, look, I travel to Hong Kong a lot. And um, I can tell you what the general level of Chinese martial arts is nowadays in Hong Kong. And I wouldn't say it's particular high, particularly high. There's some really fantastic martial artists in Hong Kong. Don't get me wrong. In every art. Um, the top guys in Hong Kun, in, in, in Southern Mantis, in, in Choi Le Fat, in Wing Chun, um, in White Crane, they are really the best that you will find. But there is a huge gap between those top guys and even some of their best students. Like between number one and number two is is worlds and worlds apart, and the future of Chinese martial arts, even in Hong Kong, quite honestly, is looking pretty bleak. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you now have guys who are saying, "Yeah, but it's still good." You know why? Because back then we were beating everybody else up. Well, guess what? If in 2016 the level of Chinese martial arts in general isn't really really super high. Uh, like the average guy in Hong Kong who trains some traditional Chinese Kung Fu has no idea 
what a boxer, what, what a jab cross combination is like. Um, by the way, Thai boxing is one of the biggest martial arts practice in Hong Kong now, mainly because it's so realistic and people get a really good workout and Chinese Kung Fu is waning. Well, think about it. In the 50s in Hong Kong, in the 60s, we had these so-called rooftop fights. Um, how many boxers, and I'm not talking about English kids who are doing old style British boxing in high school. I'm talking about really like even like golden gloves level right. anybody. It didn't exist back then. You have high level boxing in Hong Kong now. Uh, like Rex Cho is like an amazing boxer, but you didn't have that in the 50s and 60s. Let's be honest. And the level of fighting skill of most of the traditional martial art guys, they were doing forms. And then the young guys, the teenagers, they would scrap with each other. And most of the time when they scrapped, they used very little of what they were actually doing. Um, and the fact that one teenage kid or a couple teenage kids were a little scrappier than some other teenage kids, for right. me, seems like a very loose justification on why your martial art is the most fierce fighting system in the world. And that doesn't mean that Wing Chun isn't one of the best. It's just that we need to reevaluate what we're basing the reputation on and really think about, well, who were these people who are fighting? And this is not to take anything away from their I mean, accomplishments. Oh, but I agree with you 100%. You're I, spot on. I, I, you know, I, I, I had also uh, competed in some martial art tournaments when I was a teenager. And I, uh, when I was 16 years old, I had been doing Wing Chun for a couple of years, but not traditional Wing Chun, non-classical Wing Chun from some of, descended from some of Bruce Lee's early teachings in Seattle, like guys who had trained with James DeMille and Ed Hart. And so I did a few years of that. It was very kind of aggressive, kind of very forward pressure style Wing Chun. And I did a little bit of grappling, all right? My Sifu at that time was actually uh, training, his instructor was training with, um, uh, who's the guy who runs um, AMC Pancrase? He's uh, Mighty Mouse's uh, coach. Um, man, uh, his, his name escapes me, but he is absolutely one of like the pioneers of MMA, right. one of the best uh, 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 grapplers out there. And uh, my instructor's instructor was actually training with him at that time. So I started to learn a little bit of grappling. I think I, I knew how to do like an arm bar from the mount right. and like a rear naked choke. And that was about it. And my Sifu at the time said, uh, do you want to compete in a uh, sport jujitsu tournament? And I was like... Sure. I think I was 17 at the time. I was like, whatever. I had no idea. Right, right, right. And uh, my, my uh, first fight in there, uh, and he actually just sent a photo of me getting the medal, which I was so excited about. Um, they put me against a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Now, this guy wasn't a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was like traditional jiu-jitsu, but those guys were, because it was the early days of UFC, so they were starting to do like Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. But this guy was a brown belt in traditional jiu-jitsu, but was learning you know, the, the new style yeah. jiu-jitsu or whatever. And he was the first guy I had to fight. And it was at James DeMille's school. James DeMille was Bruce Lee's third student in the States. And he hosted this tournament at his school. So one, I'm kind of a quasi Wing Chun guy fighting, or Wing Chun kid at that time, fighting in James DeMille's school, who's one of Bruce Lee's students, in front of James DeMille. And the first guy they put me up against is a jiu-jitsu guy. And um, I felt a lot, and my Sifu was there, and I felt like a lot of pressure. Um, and... The other thing was I realized I don't really know that much grappling. And I started to feel severely inadequate at that moment. <laughs> and also because it was the first sport jiu-jitsu tournament uh, uh, in the Seattle area, they didn't have enough people to justify all the weight classes. So this guy that I was fighting, he, he I mean, he was also like a grown-ass man. Right. When I was 17, I was an adult ish yeah but i still kind of looked like a kid and this yeah, guy was pictures of you. yeah this guy was like a grown-ass man right, 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 right. <laughs> and he outweighed me by a little bit um and as soon as the you know the, the rounds were like you were allowed to kick and punch it wasn't 
full contact, but you were allowed to kick and punch, and then um, you were allowed to throw, and then if you went to the ground, I think you had like 30 seconds on the ground before okay. they stood you up. And then submissions were allowed, and you know you would tap out or whatever. So it was kind. Of, it wasn't anything like MMA or anything like that. But it was. It was some, in the early days. It was a kind of cool mix, and I, I got to kind of test myself out. Well, this guy came at me, uh, and and all I did was just use the Wing Chun chain punches, right? right? Right. And I just like kept blasting this guy, and he had a really hard time grabbing onto me. And every time I would just go forward and kind of blast him, and he he like almost seemed a little confused, right? And then I was like, oh, cool. I can keep this guy from grabbing me. And then the ref looked at me and he said, no flurry punches. And I was like, what do you mean no flurry punches? He goes, they can't count those as points. And then I'm like, uh, but that's kind of all I do. <laughs> right? So, uh, but of course... Boy, uh, you should find that ref now and send him a... A, a copy of Ip Man movie. That's right. Where he beats like ten Japanese black belts with that flurry punch. That's right. That's right. And and well, also, I mean, I, I have to say, I had pretty good power in my punches. I always, I was, I felt a little resentful. He was calling them flurry punches, but suddenly he takes away the main tool as a Wing Chun person, right? right. And then uh, I had to wear like we had to wear gi tops because that was mm-hmm. like, and I never wore a gi top for grappling before. But I was a black belt in. Well, I am a black belt in Taekwondo. I got my black belt in Taekwondo when I was fifteen. And then, so this is 17, so a couple years later with yeah. a couple years of Wing Chun training. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to resort back to my Taekwondo. So I, I kept the guy away with kicks, but he eventually grappled me because I had no sure. you know, straight punch defense anymore. He threw me to the ground. I was actually able to reverse him. And I remembered the crowd was like clapping because this little kid reversed this jujitsu guy. And then he had me in the guard. And I didn't know how to get out of the guard. So I just grabbed him, lifted him up, and slammed Slam. him on the ground. And then at that time... They stood us up again, and they ended up beating the guy on points. There you and go. he was totally dejected because, like, some silly Wing Chun kid beat him, <laughs> and he was like a jujitsu guy, right? And uh, it was uh, a really huge thing for me. And then my second fight, I actually fought a Wing Chun guy, but I was so exhausted from the first guy fight. Um, I totally like the guy. He, the Wing Chun guy ended up taking me down and choking me out of all and, and of all people. The Wing Chun guy choked me out, but I was like, you know what? I can lose to the Wing Chun guy. That's okay. That's At okay. least I beat the Jiu-Jitsu guy, right? <laughs> there but you go. I would never in a million years uh, stake my reputation as a fighter. I mean, I'm not a professional fighter. I'm, I'm an instructor. That's how I make my living. Uh, based on this, you know, pretty cool account of me being able to use very limited grappling and, and limited Wing Chun to essentially defend myself against a bigger jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, he wasn't the type of jiu-jitsu guy that you encounter nowadays, and he wasn't a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, but he was a grappler. And But I was thinking, if the Wing Chun guys in the 50s had a story like that, it would be so blown out of proportion oh, by God, now yeah. that it would be like, you know, the, the top-level grappler could not defeat the Wing Chun guy with two years' training. And... and um, and, I'm and he kind only of, knew the first half of the form. And he only knew the first half of the form. And look what he was able to do. Imagine if he had learned the whole system. He would have <laughs> obliterated him with one technique, right? So, and, 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 and you know, with that experience, I, I, you know, I actually don't even tell that story for the, for the most part. And, and uh, I, I would like Wing Chun and other traditional martial arts to start standing on what they're doing now and not what they did back then or purportedly did back then before video cameras and the internet. We need to kind of show people, well, if you, if you want to be relevant, you need to be relevant now. You can't keep you know, bringing up ghosts. Uh, to do uh, that, uh, they have to change their training methodology. Sure. And, and that's just, that's a, tough, that's a tough pill for some people to swallow. Sure. You know, they have to do things differently than their seafood did it. 
Right. And which is already the the big right. You know, and and that's the difficulty. One of the beauties of the training methodologies of MMA is that they don't care if you learn something on YouTube, if you learned it on the street, if you learned it from another instructor. If you can get it done against a progressively resisting training partner, they have respect for it. Right. In traditional martial arts and Chikundo, God, I hate saying Chikundo is traditional martial arts, but it's kind of become that. Right. Chikundo used to be the most modern thing there. I mean, when when Bruce Lee wrote "Liberate Yourself from Classical Karate." Right. In the 60s, there was nothing more modern than Jeet Kune Do, and it seemed to be... Because, you know what? Because it wasn't a technique form-based art. Right, right. It was, it was an attribute-based system. Sure. And that, and that kind of thinking has to, has to enter into Wing Chun and enter into Jeet Kune Do again. Right. Like this, high, this idea of um, the BMO, you brought up the BMO, the rooftop yeah. fights. Yeah, BMO. 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 Uh, BMO. I can't say the word. I say BMO. If I give from Brooklyn Wood. BMO means martial comparison, and it's basically a, a Cantonese term to signify, uh, you know, a challenge fight or maybe a friendly fight or just kind of a match between two people. Okay, so how it's how it's accepted today that word in the community that I know. I, I would define it as the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. Right. As opposed to two Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys getting down on the ground and kind of saying, hey, let's, let's, what do you do here? Right. You know, if he's going for this sweep, oh, well, then I have this key lock to take him from. And, and this kind of like back and forth, I work with you stuff is how an art grows as opposed to me getting mad at you on Facebook and saying, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to come to your school and I'm going to fight you. Right. That's, I'm sorry, am I allowed to say the F word? If not, that's the dumbest effing thing I've ever heard in the world. I had a buddy of mine, yeah, a Facebook friend, and he's telling me he wants to go fight some knucklehead because that knucklehead always talks about his instructor, his Sifu, who's a bigger knucklehead. Right. And I'm like, you have sons, right? And he says, yeah. I said, how old are your sons? He says, five and seven. I said, so because that knucklehead bad-mouthed your Sifu, your wife has to now go tell your sons that you got killed going to fight that guy because he said a bad word about Or you're in jail or whatever. I'm like, how stupid is that? Is that the legacy you want to leave for your sons? Right. Or worse than that, worse than you going there, getting locked up or getting killed. Do you want the lesson that you teach your sons is to be, if some schmuck says something about you on Facebook or about somebody you love on Facebook, that the answer to this problem is violence. Is violence. Right. That kind of, BAMO? How do I say it? <laughs> BMO, BAMO. That kind of thinking right. is the dumbest freaking thinking in the world, at least to me. Right. The healthiest thinking is the way combat athletes deal with it. Sure. And until... Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do adopt the healthy combat athlete mentality. training mentality and methodology right. while still staying within the framework of their art. Right. I'm not saying you have to, oh, I'm going to teach Wing Chun without the forms. No, right. that, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. You can teach the forms, you can teach the system, you can teach the drills. But you have to have that, that gym atmosphere. Right. That boxing gym atmosphere, you know immediately. If you walk into Gleason's gym and you walk into a traditional, I see you can't even say traditional Wing Chun because now you're thinking about, they're talking about a lineage, sure. a classical Wing Chun school. Right, right. The whole vibe is different. Right. 
The whole it, vibe. Except is my school. You walk into my school, it feels a lot more like walking into a gym. You see, now, I wouldn't know that because right. you went and put your school like on the 17th floor of a freaking building, hey. and I'm too fat to walk up there. Because it's New York. It's it's expensive <laughs> to be on the first floor. You know, when I have friends who have like a, a school in like a strip mall, I just, you know, I, I literally drool at Salivate, them right? <laughs> because I just go, I can't even imagine how many, I would have to have like 4,000 students to be able to afford that in New York City. Right. So my school is on, it's not on the 17th floor, it's on the fourth floor. <laughs> it is a walk up, there's no elevator, which is part of the reason why I can afford it to begin with. It's uh, the original, was it Stair Fu, right? Exactly. We, I always make a joke, uh, you know, to people who say, well, you're in New York, don't you have, you know, people come and challenge you? Or, because in the 70s and 80s, that was a big thing in New York between the various Wing Chun schools and I say no because by the time anybody makes it up to my school they're already tired so exactly, you don't right. have to worry about that kind of nonsense at all Yeah, I dealt with that a little bit in Brooklyn when right. I was doing JKD I had um, one or two problems that got solved quickly Right. Um, I have uh, one of my guys back then and still my one of my top guys is a retired detective, so right. that solves a lot of problems. Yeah, and, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And the best thing in the world is I had a, um, oh, I had this a great little thing. I had a, the guy living next door to me in Brooklyn, he was a great guy. I I really enjoyed him. He was a fun guy, but he was a crackhead. Right? So he was a nice guy. It's kind of a big butt, though. But, yeah. <laughs> but he was but a crackhead. I used to call him my insurance policy, right? <laughs> And he used to sit there because he loved what we did. Uh-huh. He loved to watch the stick fighting. He used to love to watch like the chisa. I stuff. can imagine spaced out on crack that. And he would be experience. standing there, and I, I kind of like trained him to say this one thing, and it was awesome. When people would come sign up, right? They'd sign the waiver, and I would say, you know, the waiver is meaningless, but we make you sign it anyway. My real insurance policy is this, and I'd point to my next door neighbor, and he goes, "If you sue Sean, I'll kill you." <laughs> That's awesome. And I go, and for a hundred bucks, he will. <laughs> so <laughs> you sign in the waiver. That's because what the lawyer said you have to do. Sure, sure, but sure. no, the real insurance policy is him. You're right. If right, you right. sue me, he's gonna kill you one that night. That is awesome. That is awesome. That, by the way, folks, that's how you do. That's how you do business in Brooklyn. Sure. That, that's why I stay in Manhattan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, actually, we just opened a we just opened a branch in Brooklyn. Yes. One of my oh, students yeah. just opened. What's your student's name? Uh, his name's Ethan. He's one of my senior students. He's been with me to Hong Kong. He opened just just a couple weeks ago. He had the grand opening in Brooklyn. And, I just saw it on Facebook. I uh, just became friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, give him a shout out. Do you know his uh, the school address? Or uh, I think it's Brooklyn WT, but uh, don't quote me on that. I would have to double check. All right, so we're gonna look it up. Yeah, you can always go to my city WT website, c i t y w t dot com. Uh, we have a list of all the schools there. So we uh, we have a, uh, we now have we're in Queens. We're in we're going to be in White Plains. So we have and we have a couple of schools in Texas. So. Oh, excellent! So yeah, you know yeah. what we're going to do is um, we've we've put a lot of research and practice into this podcast. But one of the things we're still working on right now is setting up the Facebook page for it. Absolutely. And on the Facebook page, we'll make sure to have um, Ethan's yeah, school we'll location and everything. There, and we'll yeah. put uh, links to everybody's schools that. Uh, Affiliated with uh, yeah. both Alex and my, and myself, I have a I, I, I run my thing a little differently. Um, I don't have a really an organization. I kind of have just a, a family, and it's just it's just a different way of doing doing things. So I have a couple. Well, you of also guys. have a regular job too. 
Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting one down over right. the other. No, no, I'm just no, saying I'm, it's, no, I'm saying it's like, actually I, different. I, right, yeah. I, the reason I teach martial arts for a living is that I'm wholly unqualified to hold any kind of regular job under anybody. As soon as my boss finds out that I'm also unqualified, <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> but I, I have buddies of mine that, um, students of mine that run schools, and um, I shouldn't say schools, more like little training groups, and um, we're going to have them listed as well. Uh, they are mostly JKD guys that... Um, but uh, Seth and Chris Kennedy up in the uh, Boston area, right. there have been Boston, Marblehead area, are uh, very good. Um, Seth is um, getting very good at Wing Chun. Right. In my opinion, he's getting very good. He's, and his JGD is, is, is spot on. Awesome. Uh, um, well, I want to ask you, yeah. if someone put a simple question to you, okay. what's Wing Chun? Oh, that's a really tough... You know, actually, somebody asked me that yesterday. Somebody asked me an even more bizarre question. I'll, I'll get... Don't worry. I'll get to your question. But somebody asked me... Uh, I was in a meeting yesterday about a project I'm working on, uh, which is about the wing, the late Wing Chun Grandmaster Yip Man. And, and he, he's a very philosophical dude. And he goes, you know, Sifu Alex, if Yip Man walked in the door right now, what would you ask him or what would you say? And I was like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> I mean, for for me, it's like, well, that would honestly be like, so wait a minute, what's he doing here, right? And, and you know, sometimes uh, we get put on the spot, like having a big philosophical answer. For but this something. is why we're friends. I don't mean to cut you off. But I swear <laughs> to God, I almost had the same exact conversation. Like, I, someone said to me, like, do you think you could be Bruce Lee? I said, today? He right, goes, at- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, how could you say that? I said, he's dead. <laughs> well, then, so I, I swear to God, I swear to God, the follow-up question was, well, okay, so if Bruce Lee was alive today, what would he be doing? I said, he'd be scratching at the inside of his coffin saying, get me the hell out <laughs> of here. Out of here. <laughs> I'm like, people, you know, relax here. It's, you know, well, I, I, think, I think when you teach martial arts, everyone is waiting for you to have that philosophical zinger. Well, you know, right, if, right, if he right. were here, I would ask him, and then, you know, you have this... this you know, very deep philosophical thought out question. And well, I mean, for me, what Wing Chun is, is definitely changed over the years. Uh, when I started doing it, you know, it was because I love the fighting aspect of it. I love the fighting art. I thought it was very practical, very straightforward. And, and, and I still think it is. Absolutely. Um, but nowadays it's like, you know, I teach for a living and, and I realize um, the, the people who come to my school, a lot of them don't even come to learn to fight. They don't come for self-defense. Even if they say they do, they, they come to kind of, Feel something that they feel is missing in their life, and for some people, it's just having a really cool sense of community. For some people, it's hitting something after eight hours of work. Uh, the vibe of the tribe, man. That's like yeah, having having the idea of a group of people that like minded people. That that's that's absolutely that's awesome. And and for me, what what I never thought I would actually see when I started teaching martial arts. Like for me, even when I started teaching, I was like, oh, Wing Chun is great. I, I teach very good Wing Chun. I'm from a good instructor. When people come to me, they're gonna really gonna see that and. Over the years, as my school got bigger and bigger, I started to realize that, you know, people were coming up to me and they were saying, like, things that I would never imagine. Like, they would say, uh, you know, Sifu, because my students call me Sifu, uh, they would say, you know, Sifu, when I first started learning here, I, you know, I, I, I didn't really feel confident in, in, in myself. And I was kind of stuck in my job for a very long time. And after training here for six months, a year, whatever it is, I... Uh, finally have the confidence to ask my boss for a raise or a promotion. That's awesome. And and they'll come and they'll see stuff like that. Or or some of the sometimes they'll tell me that they uh 
um, left an abusive relationship because oh, of the confidence they have or or that they, they made positive changes in their lives, which are far beyond the scope of, oh, you God, know, punching yeah. it. I mean, at, at first I would have told you uh, when I started teaching almost 15 years ago, I teach people how to punch and kick using Wing Chun and how to defend themselves. And nowadays it's like, I uh, teach people how to be a better version of themselves using Wing Chun and martial arts as a vehicle. And if you ask me what Wing Chun is for me, uh, Wing Chun is is just about adaptation and growth. We need to we need to adapt to all the stuff that happens in our lives, and I think Wing Chun's a really great vehicle for that. And I, uh, um, for me, Wing Chun is is adaptation. You know, I, I also like putting myself in weird situations like hey i've never did a podcast before um look fine let's just go do it you know what i mean i I, i've never you know i've been in situations uh, um that uh, i put myself in because i knew they might make me uncomfortable but it's those uncomfortable things that make you grow and i think i wouldn't have that attitude if i didn't practice wing chun that's that's awesome that's awesome i um there's a man in the uh, moyat family who i've never met i'm not a student of his I, i wish i have met him um my Seabach, uh, uh, Lee Moy Shen, right. who everybody's seen the video. This is not unique to me, Elma, but he had a great line in one of his in one of his interview videos about Wing Chun, and I right. and I just love it. And it says um, the essence of the Wing Chun system is Samfat, uh, the way of the heart. Right. You can all you can learn all the Wing Chun Kin Fat you want, the fist techniques that right. you want. Right. I can help you with the pronunciation later. Don't worry. Okay, <laughs> Alex won't be back next week, and I'm going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> one day, you, one day you cannot use it. Some fat, say some fat. So, so, some fat. Some fat. Some fat. Uh-huh. <laughs> some, like heart. You use until the day you die. It's the most powerful area of the Wing Chun system, and it seems for me, man, it's maybe just because I'm a become a philosophical dork in my old age. It seems to be where I want to spend my time researching yeah i kind of dig on the idea of some thought yeah. the, the way of the heart right as something that's meaningful to me when i when i heard this man when I, I shouldn't say heard the man when i watched his video it really like opened some things up for me and um to me that was the beauty of wing chun i always looked at and this is only in my head this is i always looked at jkd as the fighting side of me and Wing Chun was the love side of me. Now, I'm not saying that Wing Chun is not about fighting. I sure, get it. Sure, sure, sure. But I just... Well, it's also what it means for you. It was for me. Right. Like, to me, like, if you, used to, if you would have said to me, oh, well, when you fight in my head, if I had to run through a scenario of fight, I would picture JKD. Because that's... I did so many years of that. Right. But to, to me, Wing Chun was all about love. It was all about doing it just because I loved it. Right. And for years, I didn't even tell people I did it. I had the... You were a closeted Wing Chun I was practice. a cl- closeted Wing Chun MMA guy. Right. I was an MMA guy who would go home and work on the, the wooden dummy and stuff. You <laughs> How know? dare you? How Blast dare me, me. right. <laughs> I, 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 but but um, I, I love asking that question to people. Like, like what is to a karate black belt? What is, what, what is karate? And... Like, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, uh, you know, what is Jeet Kune Do? And um, I always go with the quote that I gave before. Right. How it was either before or in the earlier podcast in the pilot of what's my Sifu, how my Sifu defines it. Uh, Jeet Kune Do is not a physical system. It is a method of using principles. And that idea, I'm looking forward to future podcasts really delving into that a little bit. Because 
to me, JKD has gone off the skids in a, in a lot of ways. I, I know a lot of Jeet Kune Do people, and one thing I found true in the, with a lot of JKD people was they really do teach with the best intentions in the world. Sure. And a lot of them just, I think, are missing something. Right. And yeah. I'm sure I have a lot to learn from them, but I want to give my voice a little bit to what's out there in Jeet Kune Do. Um, but I want to follow up the question of what is Jeet Kune Do, which I just said, then the counter always is, well, what is Jun Fan Jeet Kune Do? And I would say, like, if Jeet Kune Do is uh, the method of using principles, Jun Fan Jeet Kune Do, which was Bruce Lee's name, Lee Jun Fan, was how Bruce Lee taught and trained that method of using principles. Right. But the principles themselves are still there. And um, as far as my end of the podcast going forward, I'm going to talk about some other principles. My, my intention is to talk more about some of the principles of Jeet Kune Do and how we train them, how they used to be trained and how they train, were trained today. I, I try to have a boxing gym type mentality. and um, Well, it's more fun to say the least. It is. It's a little more real too, yeah. you know. Now again, I'm I'm also a little bit of a traditionalist too, you sure. know. I you know, um, I my my Wing Chun students call me Sifu. Right. My JKD students call me Hey Sean. You know? so right. it's, it's, but that's it's, that's kind of tradition for both of those arts. Right. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Steve Golden tells a story that the the first day in the LA Chinatown school, Bruce Lee, lit, you know, lined them all up and kind of like said, "All right, these are the rules of the school." And, right. And they said, okay, and you will call me Sifu. And he all said, okay, Bruce. <laughs> he's like, no, Sifu. Okay, Bruce. All right, Bruce. It was just like, but, uh, so we're coming to the end here. It's, that's right. Uh, well, hey, that was almost an hour. That's about an that hour. That went by really fast. But uh, going forward, I think we're going to uh, really delve into our arts. Um, I know I'm going to talk more about JKD and some Wing Chun. Sure. Uh, what I'm working on in Wing Chun and... And uh, and Alex is going to teach me how to say all the words, the Chinese words correctly. Yeah, and I'll probably, teach you some curse words too. They're very important. Well, I think you can also probably work on my English word, English pronunciation of English words as well. <laughs> I just, um, we didn't get a chance to talk about um, fitness and weight loss. Well, we but, can do that on the next podcast. Well, for we sure. will absolutely hit on the, that on the next yeah. podcast. Yeah, I have and, a couple of interesting things that we can talk about. I, I just got a concept two rower. Which is like amazing. Uh, I just saw a, a picture of Conor McGregor working on that. It's like the best cardio tool ever, and that thing has been kicking my ass. And it sucks and it's painful, but you get addicted to it because yeah. you're looking at the numbers and you go, "Okay, but tomorrow I'll be back and I'm gonna break <laughs> you." So uh, oh, that's yeah, awesome. yeah, we have a lot of really great stuff to talk about in future podcasts. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm planning. I plan on giving away all the secrets. So, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, listen, all the secrets are going. I'm, uh, I'm not holding back. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to piss off a lot of people. All right. Well, then you know you're doing something right. <laughs> and uh, well, thank, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you. Well, we'll, you'll hear us next week on Dudes of Kung Fu. Dudes of Kung Fu. Wah! <laughs>